you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. The Around the League podcast will change your life. Welcome to another Around the League podcast. I am in a room that's not really filled with heroes, but it is filled with Chris Wesseling and Henry Hodgson. NFL UK Hank on Twitter, our London correspondent from a few weeks ago, and City in the studio with us today. I'm very excited about this. I'm proud to be here. Thank you, guys. It was, uh, it was great representing around the league in London, so I'm glad you allowed me in the studio as well. Did you know we are in presence, the presence of greatness? Hank, Why is that? Hank is third nationally in picking games this year. Apparently that's true. There is a site. I can't remember what the website's called. I apologize. But I, I'm, um, I'm, I'm, I'm two behind uh, Ron Jaworski. Um, uh, this week, so Jaws, I'm coming for you. I'm my, my plan is to overtake Jaws after after week six. Jaws picks against a monkey on the Tony Kornheiser podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I like how Henry was like. Apparently, that's true. You're sitting there on Sundays refreshing that bad boy, not not waiting well, you know to what? tell I, us how well someone, you're doing. Someone pointed it out to me on Twitter the other day, and <laughs> since that, normally I do my picks on Tuesday as soon as it's there available, and it takes me all of like 45 seconds to do them all. Now I'm I've got in my head. And uh, and I'm and I'm thinking about them. I'm changing picks midweek. I should really I should really forget about this. You're not going to go carry on doing it the way I was doing it before. You're not going to go full shab on us now, are you? I, who knows? <laughs> who knows exactly? Well, we don't count your picks in the around the league competition, oh, really? and so yeah, that yeah. means I'm in first place <laughs> in the around the league competition. Of course, Mark Sessler and Dan Handis also in that competition. They are not with us here in the studio today. We will be calling Mark. A little bit later in the show, we're going to call Daniel Jeremiah, one of my favorites on NFL Network, in just a few minutes. We'll also go over our hero picks. We'll talk about every week six game. But let's start with the game from Thursday night. Bears outlast the Giants in a game that felt like it should have been a better game, considering there was some scoring, it was down to the last minute, and yet it really didn't feel like that great a game. I think the main takeaway for me is the difference right now between Jay Cutler and Eli Manning. Jay Cutler's playing the best football of his career, has the highest completion percentage, 
for the first time in his career. He's passed 90 uh, quarterback rating in five of six games. And Eli is on pace to jo- to join George Blanda with the only 40 interception season of all time. <laughs> it's kind of amazing how Jay Cutler has turned into the guy that makes avoids mistakes. You know what I mean? I mean, he had that one game against Detroit where he had a lot of interception, but it wasn't bad decisions. It was just bad throws that week. Jay Cutler has kind of turned into the quarterback that he's got the arm strength that you want, and yet he's the guy that's not making big mental right. mistakes. It's kind of what everyone like myself who's always loved Jay Cutler has always wanted out of right. Jay Cutler. And everything he does looks crisper. He gets rid of the ball more quickly. His drops are crisper. I think everything about what he's doing, and, and it really probably does come down to Mark Trestman and his influence over him, it, you know, it, it, he, he's, he's just a better quarterback. And like you say, he's fulfilled the potential that we all saw. You know, it was all about this guy has the strongest arm in, in history. If you speak to people, they're like, nobody th- gets rid of a ball faster and better than, than Cutler does, but it didn't seem to ma- mean anything before now. I think he's still got room to grow. I mean, they scored 27 points. Seven of those were on defense. It was against a team that had given up the most points in the league. But the good thing with them now is, you know, if Alshon Jeff- Jeffrey makes a couple bad plays and he did last night, Brandon Marshall has a great game. It's like one of those two guys is just going to dominate the cornerback opposite them, and that's almost all you need. And I saw a few times last night, Jeffrey drew double coverage which he hadn't done before his 218-yard game, that's only going to help Brandon Marshall and Martellus Bennett. And Martellus Bennett is, you know, he's of of all the weapons there, he's actually the one that maybe has been most valuable to to Cutler as well because he's that outlet for him and he's he's played well. He may, he seems to have um, a good nose for getting a bunch of yards after the catch. No love for Tulane's own Matt Forte. I was uh, relying on you to do that. Come on, <laughs> yeah, that I mean that is a great four pack of skill position guys, and I think this is easily the best Bears offense we've seen. I don't know since. Certainly in the 10 years that I've been watching the Bears, certainly better than any Lovey Smith team. I do think the defense is not as good as it was under Lovey Smith either. So they're more of a balanced team, but it's not as dominant defensively. I don't think that's all coaching. I think that's a big part of it. Lovey Smith is a great defensive coach. But you have Henry Melton now for the season. The defense as a whole is getting older. Charles Tillman didn't play last night and wasn't playing that well before that because of the knee injury. So this this team just isn't tackling well. They're not pressuring the quarterback. There are a lot of holes on that defense. As for the Giants, everyone was tra- I've been trying to make the case. Well, they're not out of the NFC East if they just win a game. You know, they're in the play. It's like it's like Jim Mora said. You you know playoffs. You got to win a playoff. You got to win a game first. You need to win a game before you think about stuff like that. And they're one of the worst teams that we've seen in years. Last night was what Jerry Jones would probably call a moral victory. <laughs> I mean, they they played well. Uh, relatively, but they still lose the game. What do we think about this Giants team and, and potentially the future? If you want to see a bright side, you can say, okay, Brandon Jacobs had fresh legs. Hakeem Nix. How long is that going to last? Well, I don't know. I'm just saying if you want to look on the bright side, <laughs> Hakeem Nix and Brandon Jacobs both look more spry the last, well, last night, and Nix did even the week before than they did early in the season. But defense, to me, the play that that really showed why their defense is a problem was that 30-yard dump off to a fullback. Tony Fiametta is running untouched through their secondary, and he looked downright slow. Why were there no Giants even in the picture on that play? The defense, I mean, there wasn't a quarterback hit in this game until midway through the third quarter for either team. No pass rush whatsoever. Jason Pierre-Paul is a shell uh, of his former self. This is Justin Tuck's last year in New York. 
you know, we reported uh, our NFL media insider Ian Rappaport reported that Tom Coughlin wants to come back to the Giants next year. Ownership wants to give him the choice with what to do, and that's great, and I'm sure that's true. But there's a level of awfulness that that supersedes anything. I mean, if they don't win a game, Tom Coughlin's not going back, right? I, yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't know why he. Uh... Of course, he's not going to say anything other than he wants to come back next season. It's week six. I mean, that, that, right. we, we shouldn't. We of course we're reporting that as news, but we we shouldn't be. We shouldn't read too much into that. He's going to say that. I just. I don't. I, it feels like there's some rebuilding to be done there. I know that they've got some great pieces. You know, a receiver especially. Eli's a two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback. You're certainly not throwing him out, but it feels like they need an injection of youth, not just across the board on defense, but maybe as a head coach as well. This is one of the most stable organizations in the league, but I think you, it would be fair to expect a lot of changes this offseason if this continues. 0-6. Let's move on to the teams that matter. Let's, uh, let's talk to Daniel Jeremiah, uh, one of the best analysts we have here at NFL Network. He breaks down the college tape. He breaks down the NFL tape. He's handsome. He uh, he somehow manages to you know have like four kids and still seems calm. So he's really my hero. Let's get him on the line, Daniel Jeremiah. What is happening, Daniel? Oh, not much. Got a uh, a big weekend coming up. College football, pro football. Got a, a nice little slate of games. Big week for you. It's your first around the league podcast. I know you've well, been on no, NFL let's, Network yeah, let's a start. lot. Let's let's start with the important things first. Absolutely. Let's get our priorities right. You're correct. So I wanted to ask you about this young quarterback crop that, to me, is the story of the season going into it. How is RG3, Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson, Kaepernick? I'll throw Cam Newton in there. Uh, and all, the, all these young guys, how do you think they are progressing this year? Do you have any big takeaways from that group? Well, a couple guys. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about two of them. I mean, Andrew Luck, to me, um, I mean, look, I, I love the guy coming out. I gave him, you know, highest grade I'd given a quarterback. So obviously, I had high expectations. I, I thought he would play well, but I'll be honest, Greg, I, I did not think he'd be able to elevate the play of everybody around him as quickly as he has. I mean, that's that's something you see from guys that you know are in their seventh, eighth year to be able to just make everyone around them better. He's done that, and, and the things he's done on third down. I mean, you put him in third and six, and he is a machine. Uh, so he's even exceeded expectation. I, I just spent some time actually this morning, uh, kind of going through Cam Newton's tape and watching him. And, uh, like he's been getting crucified in the media. And there's some things he needs to work on. His footwork is sloppy. He grips in his drops. Um, he's not, he's not really anticipating, not throwing with great timing. There, there's, there's stretches where you see all those things. However, there's still times where you see him when he has his first read, when he throws on time, gets the ball out of his hand quick. He can still make all the throws. He can make plays with his legs. Um, in that game against Arizona, Steve Smith drops a touchdown to hit him between the numbers. They have a fourth down play. He puts it on the money. It gets dropped. The protection has not been great around him. So uh, I think that the piling on of Cam Newton may be a little bit premature. Uh, I think there's some things that need to be cleaned up. But in my opinion, his issues are completely coachable, whereas some of the other struggles we've seen around the league, uh, even from guys like Schaub and, and Andy Dalton, maybe underwhelming a little bit. Those those are physical limitations. Cam does not have those. It, to me, it, aren't these problems ones that we've seen from him since the moment he entered the league? Though, would that concern you? Like, not you know, you mentioned the footwork and the mechanics and maybe pocket awareness. He's throwing a lot of balls while guys are basically taking him out. Yeah, I mean, 
obviously you haven't seen the progression that you'd like to see. There, there's, um, there's some issues that have been there all the while. I'm just saying that I still believe if you get him with the right people, if you get him with the right quarterback coach, uh, the right offense, the right setup, I, I think, you know, a quarterback drifting in his drop is very coachable. I mean, you just, you gotta be more crisp with his drop, more crisp in his footwork. That takes time, effort, and coaching. I think that makes a difference. Um, designing the offense around things he likes to do and throws he likes to make, uh, getting the ball out of his hand quickly. We see, we see spurts of it in this offense, uh, but there's also times where you, you're, you're asking him to take a five-step drop from the shotgun, uh, sit back there, and, and you've got to, you don't have any outlets for the guy. Everything's so down the field, he doesn't have the protection to hold up to get the ball down the field. So I, I just think, yeah, look, he hasn't progressed, and he deserves some, some blame for that. But there's a lot of other factors involved with why he's been inconsistent. And we've still, uh, with those negative stretches to play, we've also had some positive stretches where if he gets a catch here or there, uh, you know, maybe we're talking differently about Cam Newton. Hey, Daniel, Chris Wesley. Hey, what's up, Wes? I'm well. How are you? Good, man. Hey, we need you to solve a puzzle we couldn't solve on uh, Wednesday. What do you got? So... We have all these big-name running backs struggling this year, averaging under 3.5 yards per carry. And in general, running games are struggling. Can you give us any kind of theory on why that's going on? <laughs> well, I mean, look, one of my theories is the fact that you've, you know, practices, let's go to practice at a training camp. You can't have doubles. You can't have two practices in a day where you're padded up. Uh, practice during the week is limited. Uh, running the football is a physical aspect of the game well if you don't have your pads on and you're not banging pads and you're not getting that physical contact you're not going to be in, in in a really good spot with your offensive line being a physical unit now you can go out there and shells uh and go out there and, and and work on you know pass pro and look at who you've got to pick up on blitz pickup and you can throw the ball all day long at practice and that's what teams are doing and i think some of that carries over to why we're not seeing the run games get cranked up now once the season, let's wait and see what happens in the second half of the season. My theory is, uh, once these guys have six, seven games under their belt where they've been, you know, had the pads on and been playing in game action, we'll start to see some of these running games come around, and also that'll coincide a little bit with the weather changing in some of these cities. All right, let's move on to this week's games: Saints, Patriots. Probably the best game this weekend. Two defenses that are in the top five of scoring defenses, which is a surprise. When when you look at this game, Daniel, what what stands out to you? Well, it stands out to me is you know you look at the Saints Patriots. Is are the Patriots going to be able to slow down uh, what the Saints are doing offensively? Are the Patriots going to be able to match up with Jimmy Graham? I, I don't know that they are. To me, I think some issues in the back end uh, for the Patriots is a chance to get exposed by the Saints offense. And on the other side of the ball. Uh, you know, Rob Ryan, you know, it's been talked about a lot. He came in there, everybody thought he was going to be throwing all these exotic blitzes, and he's played it pretty straight up, dropping a lot of guys in coverage and just playing sound football. Uh, but but I think if you don't get pressure on Tom Brady, if you want to drop into coverage, I think you play into Brady's hands, and I think you could see him be successful. So, uh, you know, look, I wish Tom Brady had his full arsenal of healthy players. We'll see what happens with Gronkowski, but, uh, you know, I, I still think, even with what they have, even coming off the struggles against Cincinnati last week, I do think the Patriots will put up a good bit of points. This will be a high-scoring game. Hey, Daniel, we've noticed that uh, the wide receivers in New Orleans have really taken a backseat to Jimmy Graham and Darren Sproles, which is understandable considering the mismatches they have there. Have you seen anything from Marcus Colston's game that would explain why he only has 75 yards twice in the last 16 games? Well, I mean... I think you you hit it with your first comment, and that's 
Drew Brees is, is a smart dude, and Drew Brees is going to find the best matchup on the field, and right now that matchup involves a tight end on a linebacker or a safety, or Darren Sproles on a linebacker or safety. I mean, it's been taking candy from a baby uh, going to those two guys all season long, so I don't necessarily take away from what Marcus Colson is. Marcus Colson never is going to wow you with speed, so the fact that he got a little bit older and lost the step, that's not really his game. He, his game is making plays while covered, uh, working in the middle of the field, uh, the, the, that kind of toughness he brings. I, I don't think we've really seen any drop-off. I, I just think Drew Brees has taken what the best opportunity presented on the, the field is, and right now a lot of tight end and running back mismatches on linebackers and safeties. I do wonder, though, can you win a Super Bowl and be a dominant offense with very little running game, which is what they have right now, and your tight end being your best vertical threat. Their, their starting wide receivers last week were Robert Meacham, who just got released, and Nick Toon was on the field. I mean, those are the guys that they're counting on to go deep. Do you think eventually defenses catch up with that? Well, you know, it doesn't matter really, in my opinion, because uh, the, the thing with Jimmy Graham, you can know where that ball's going, but what are you going to do about it? <laughs> you know, so it, it, that's it's, that's it's kind of easy picking for for him. So look, it, there, there's different ways to do things. We saw, I believe, the Giants win a Super Bowl with the 32nd ranked uh, rushing offense. I believe the Packers. I don't know if it was the year they won it or they went to the Super Bowl uh, when they were 31st or 32nd in rushing. So the fact that they're not, you know, going to run the ball that much doesn't bother me. Uh, and I think we'll see we'll see some of these young receivers they have there kind of make some plays sporadically as we go through the year, see how they grow. Um, but you know, look, we I mean, we can talk about Jimmy Graham and list him as a tight end guys, but I mean, it really he's a he's just a big old receiver. Hey, Daniel, our other game that we want to ask you about is the Packers and Ravens. We talked about running game struggling, but the Packers are averaging 167 yards on the ground the past three games, with three different running backs featured in that span. What's going on there? Is their offensive line just blowing teams off the ball? <laughs> well, I mean, seen some good good performances, especially by the young running backs. So. I mean, I just think when you put, you know, we worked on scouting reports and advance reports when I was uh, in Baltimore, and uh, you always you always kind of craft your, your advanced scouting report on what you want to take away. And I just think, you know, for the last, I don't know, five, six years, there's nothing in that scouting report that says we must stop the Green Bay running game. I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not a concern. So teams are coming into the ballgame saying we got to stay deeper than the deepest. We can't let Aaron Rodgers, you know, make big plays over the top like we saw with James Jones. Uh, the other week, so that's where the focus is, and when that happens, you tend to have high safeties. Unfortunately for the Packers for the last few years, they've had no runners uh, capable of capitalizing on that, and they haven't been great up front, so uh, I think the, the defenses they're seeing are the same. Uh, I just think the fact they finally got some better running backs, and, uh, and we're seeing a little bit better push up front. Last one for you, your former team, the Ravens, do you think they turn the offense around this season? Well, I mean, I think eventually they're going to find their groove and kind of find a formula that works. Uh, right now, the thing about them, and you know, talk to a lot of different people around the league, they say the same thing. It's uh, one of the keys in this league is being able to win when you're not at your best and to see their offense really not have much rhythm at all uh, the whole season, and yet they sit here 3-2. Uh, and two, They're in a pretty good spot. I think eventually they'll figure it out. I believe uh, it's got to be a more balanced approach, and I love the way Torrey Smith's playing. But, you know, the game against Buffalo, to me, was an eye-opener when they put the ball up so many times. I think it was like 55 or, or some ridiculous amount of throws ran it nine times. So uh, they have to be balanced. To me, that's the answer. I think they'll eventually land at that spot. Uh, whether it happens this week or the next, uh, we'll wait and see. But I, I do think eventually they'll, they'll settle in and become a more balanced offense. Daniel, Jeremiah, 
you don't I don't we don't need to promote you, but follow him on Move the Sticks on Twitter anyways. Why not? Thank you uh right. thanks for calling in. We got to get you in the studio one of these times. Well, I'll tell you what. Now that this is now this interview is over, I mean, I guess I just, you know, I don't even know if I want to do anything. I'll just sit on my sit around my house and wait for the phone to ring and uh, next week we'll do it all over again. This this is a career changer. The bump that you'll get from being on this podcast is outstanding. It's uh, a uh, world renowned, uh, big time, big time honor to be on here, boys. You guys have a good one. Thanks, Daniel. See ya. Thank you again to Daniel Jeremiah. Now I am very excited to welcome in a special guest, Crystal. Can we give Mark Sessler a ring? Sure thing. Mark, are you there? I am here. First, uh, I just have to say, happy 40th birthday to Mark Sessler, who is somewhere east of Los Angeles, parts unknown right now. What is going on? I am in an undisclosed location. That's all I can tell you. Uh, you know, 40, turning 40, a bittersweet moment, but <laughs> I'm rolling with it. I would never have had you tagged for 40. I was, th- I was thinking, like, late 20s. <laughs> I will say this. This was hopeful. Uh, the wife and I went out for a drink the other night, and I got carded. Wow. And there you go. It was like, that was the greatest birthday present one can get when they turn 40. So exactly. uh, I hope that continues. I mentioned it to my wife, and she was stunned that you were 40. Uh, I don't know if, what that said, if that's positive or negative, but she couldn't <laughs> believe it based on having met you. It may be a reference to a lack of maturity that she's seen displayed. <laughs> well, we've, uh, we've missed you on the podcast, but uh, we've got you on. I think you know where this is going for a very special edition of... Defend your heroes. Wow. The live read from Henry Hudson. <laughs> that was live, Sessler. And this isn't just any Defend Your Hero segment. You have set an around-the-league record with four potential hero picks in the same week. Was this just like, hey, I'm 40 years old now. I don't really care anymore. I'm just going crazy. <laughs> well, listen, you know how I do all my picks. I based it on feelings and really i had some strange ones this week i didn't expect the total to be four i think a lot of times when this happens it's like listen you don't know when a hero is going to drum up but one or two of them i think are potentially disastrous for me we'll see well let's start with the most surprising one oakland kansas city you picked the raiders defend your hero I don't think it's that surprising. I think that Oakland is due for a win like this. I like what I'm seeing from Terrell Pryor. And the Chiefs, to me, very solid, but due for a loss. I can't put more logic into it than that. I just see the Chiefs losing this game. Have we forgotten already, since it's only been two weeks, that the Redskins have their only win at the Raiders' expense? Yeah, the Raiders have not played that well this year. They're coming. I think this is one thing where they're coming off a, a big win that we all watched, and maybe Mark's getting excited about it. I mean, the Chiefs' defense has been as consistent as any group in the league. Listen, I think it'll be tough. I do. I do think that Pryor also has shown more than people expected. I like Oakland's defense to some degree, and yeah, I'm not saying this makes a lot of sense. That's probably why I'm the only one that picked <laughs> Oakland. But if they're going to make West eat his softball pants. A, something that I do see happening this season, they've got to pull off a win like this. Mark, I'm a little bit of a wooden man. You're going to have to explain something about feelings to me. So like when the Santa Ana winds start blowing, <laughs> does that get in? Does that mix things up, your antenna screwed up? 
Listen, I where I am right now, a lot of things could be screwed up. I can't, I can't. That means, but my location could have a lot to do with why four heroes were dialed in. My my feeling is that Justin Houston and Tamba Ali are ranked number one and two in the league in hurries this year, right. and they're going against the Raiders' offensive line. And when we watched Terrell Pryor last on on late Sunday night last week, he was playing against the Chargers, who singularly weren't able to get any pressure on him whatsoever. That's not going to be the case against the Chiefs. So let's I'm move on. By it. Let's move on to your next one. Bucks Eagles. You know, this one makes sense to me. You picked the Buccaneers. I'm a little surprised you were the only person to do that. Defend your hero. Yeah, I would agree on that. I, I didn't think this would, would come up as a hero pick because Tampa, you know, they have reasons that they're 0 4, but their defense, obviously a quality defense. Uh, you know, they lost some very tight games. The Eagles, to me, you know, they have not been untouchable by any sense of the imagination. I think they're going to score points. I think the problem for Tampa is we don't know what we're going to get from Mike Glenn in the offense. I just see a close game, and I felt like it's time for the Buccaneers to get a win. What do we think about Nick Foles, assuming he starts? We don't know that for sure as we're taping this, but it looks like Foles will start. What do we think about his performance last week, Wesley? I thought uh, it was overblown. I didn't think he played that well. Both of the touchdowns came when he got the ball about the 30-yard line of the Giants. He did make one beautiful pass in the corner to uh, Deshaun Jackson, I think it was. But he had, I think, four or five punt series and a few field goal series. I didn't think he played that well. Remember how well Foles played in Tampa last year? I don't know if anyone remembers that. That was one of the better, surprising quarterback games by any quarterback in the NFL. That really has nothing to do with this game, but he's got to have some good feelings after that performance. I mean, he played great. After that game, I was kind of thinking, wow, Nick Foles is going to be really good. And then he really didn't follow it up the rest of the year. In, in I agree with Wes real quick because there's no way that this offense can do what Chip Kelly wanted to do with a guy like Foles versus Vic. But I think Foles came in and he did a little bit more for the passing game than we've seen in some of the weeks from the Eagles. I, I, I agree that it's an underwhelming choice at quarterback, though. So it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a wild card. I, I th- I th- I'm, I'm interested in Nick Foles because I think he what he reminds me of, and you'll have to bear with me here, is another guy that backed up Michael Vick and then went on to or was given the platform to do more and then went on to bigger things. And we've all been talking about in the last couple of weeks, Matt Schaub. Like, is Nick Foles going to be the guy? Because I don't I don't necessarily think that Chip Kelly sees him as a long term starter in the offense that he ultimately wants to run in Philadelphia. Is Nick Foles going to be a guy that that gets to showcase his talents, goes to another team, people get excited about, but ultimately isn't really going to be amount to much more than a, a, a sort of a okay starting quarterback in the NFL? If he plays well this week, he has a good chance, I think, to remain as the starter because the Buccaneers' defense is that good. If Foles actually had a, a performance against the Buccaneers, you have to take that seriously. And he wasn't great last week. He was very good in the two-minute drill. I think he can run this offense in terms of you know, moving the ball, getting the ball out quickly, running the hurry up. He looked comfortable doing that, but this is a tough matchup. So, LaShawn McCoy has been the Eagles' best player this year. As soon as Foles came in the game, the Giants' defense just had no respect whatsoever for the quarterback running, and McCoy did absolutely nothing. That's why I don't. I think no matter what he does, they have to stay with Vic. It pay- the Giants it- focused on McCoy from the first snap. They simply, they even, they even dared Vic to do the same thing. And I, I think the teams basically are saying, we don't care about that mesh point situation. And with Foles, you're right. There's literally no reason not to key on McCoy. 
and see what Foles can do with his arm. He, he wasn't terrible last week, but it's, it's not as dynamic an offense. It pains me that you got a hero pick on this. I was on the fence. I went back and forth with this pick. I really want to take the Buccaneers, but I think you're going to get this one right, Sessler, and you're not going to get any others right because you also picked the Browns to beat the Detroit Lions. Well, listen, I understand everyone is extremely high on Detroit's talent and et cetera, et cetera, <laughs> but this is one where these are two teams that could go one way or the other this season, and my thing is this. If, if Megatron plays, this was probably turns out to be a bad pick for me. I initially picked the Lions, and then Rhino compiles our picks. I texted him again. I said, I can't do that because if Cleveland wins and I pick Detroit, that's ugly. As a Browns fan, that's an ugly scenario. So I'm just going to – I'm giving Cleveland one more week in a hero pick scenario. I think they played well against Buffalo. Like Tampa, their defense is very good. And uh, if Megatron plays, it could be rough, though. I, Detroit is probably a more talented football team than Cleveland. You're aware that Brandon Weeding is starting, right, for the Browns? <laughs> I am aware, and that's a major gap and void that they're going to have to play around. And that's a, that's a question mark that looms. Let's not pretend Brian Hoyer was, was going to win the MVP or anything. I think uh, let's pretend that Brian Hoyer could escape and Dominican Sue, Nick Fairley, and Ziggy, An- <laughs> right. Ziggy Ansah a lot better than Brandon Whedon could. I, yeah. I, I don't think you'd have been a hero if Hoyer was starting. I yeah, that's fair. I don't think you'd have been alone no. making this pick. The defensive line there is so deep. Willie Young's playing well. Mm. Uh, Wesseling mentioned DeAndre Levy is playing terrific at linebacker. I think that should be a good game. The final hero pick for you. Sessler were the Packers and the Ravens. You chose Baltimore. We've already talked about this game with Daniel Jeremiah, but what's your take here with taking the Ravens at home? Well, part of it is that I really do believe that the Packers missed playoffs and go about 8-8, eight and eight, and I think that no one wants to believe that yet. That was one of the strongest just premonitions I had before the season. Sesslers. <laughs> you can just call them Sesslers now. We, that's what they are. It was a Sessler, and I'm sticking with that. But I really do think that Baltimore is not a great football team. This is a game for them. that They are a tough football team. They're well-coached. I think something just strange happens here. I'm not completely you know, sold on the Packers going 14-2 and and rolling off 40 points a game here. And I think they're, the issue is Flacco. If Flacco can have a game where he isn't a complete and utter train wreck, I see this being a close game that Baltimore wins you know, right, down the end, right down to the end. Has the Packers passing game been a little disappointing this year? I think so. I mean, they they haven't exactly been dominant half to half. Like against that Detroit, against Detroit, they they had their struggles. It feels like they haven't quite all got it together. I think this is a game where we find out a lot about their defense because this is a game they should dominate. But they're they're pretty thin on defense right now. With Clay Matthews is out, uh, Brad Jones inside linebacker, he's hurt. There's a lot of injuries there. You know, Brad Jones is one of our making the leap candidates, so I'm expecting, <laughs> you know, him to come back and play well. But he, they don't have him this week. That's obviously a critical loss. Maybe not, but that's how I'm selling it. Don't you think the passing game has been disappointing in numbers only, though? And it's because they're second in the NFL in rushing. Yeah, it, which I think would surprise a lot of people. Right. Number two, it, well, in yards per carry, in yards per carry, they're number two. Eddie Lacy. This will be a test again for that, that running game because the Ravens' defense, for the most part, is, has played very well. Mark, thank you uh, for taking our call during your uh, brief time away from the NFL, although you're working all day Saturday, so it's not much of a vacation. I, I look forward to that shift. Anytime I can get a shift right in the heart of the weekend, uh, I, I laud it. I'm excited for it. Save your breath, Mark. You're going to need it to blow out all those candles. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Gentlemen, birthday, Mark. Thank you. Goodbye.
It's good to have a little Sessler back in our lives. It's been a while since he's been on the show. Seriously, when was the last time he was on the show? A week ago? Seems like a month. So, glad he was here. He will be here on Sunday night. We're going to recap all the games, Chris Wesseling, myself, and Mark Sessler. But let's get to the week six games. By the way, I had a hero pick on that Patriot Saints. Wanted to point that out before we moved on. I am liking that hero pick. But let's talk about the rest of the games. And let's start with your Cincinnati Bengals, Chris Wesseling, facing the Buffalo Bills and Thad Lewis. Dan Hansis has gained two games on me this year by picking the Bills at home to win, and I've picked him to lose. I thought about going with the Bills here, but I don't trust Thad Lewis for a minute. Can can anyone in the room, Crystal, you know, you're included in this, <laughs> tell us anything about Thad Lewis? I know he started the season finale last year for the Browns against the Steelers. I actually watched that game on uh, Game Rewind at the time. He was not impressive. This I, is uh, He went to Duke. There's another he fact. Did. That was my fact about him. And he's essentially been Pat Shermer's adopted son in the NFL. Wherever Pat Shermer goes, Thad Lewis follows. Well, not anymore. Not anymore. That's why right. he's the training wheels are off. Let's see what he does without Pat Shermer. I think the Bills deserve some criticism for how they've handled this whole quarterback mess. Thad Lewis has been on the roster the whole time. He was on the practice squad. They brought him and Matt Leinart in in the preseason, and they started Matt Leinart over Thad Lewis, and that was partly to keep Jeff Toole healthy. So they didn't even start this guy, Jeff Toole, was an undrafted rookie in the fourth preseason game because they wanted him to stay healthy. Okay, now Jeff Toole's still on the roster, but he's not playing. Thad Lewis is somehow promoted from the practice squad. Does this make any sense? It doesn't because what <laughs> guys on the practice squad do is they mimic the opponent's offense. So either he's been looking great uh, pretending to be Tom Brady or whoever else, which doesn't really make much sense and certainly shouldn't be the reason for you to not only elevate him off the practice squad but to the starting position. It, it just yeah, it doesn't make much sense to me. I think it points to how difficult it is to evaluate young players in the preseason. They thought they were very high on Jeff Toole for his preseason. You heard it in Marone's comments. They thought he could be their long-term backup to EJ Manuel. After one half against the Browns, they've decided maybe Jeff Toole doesn't have the arm. That's what I'm getting out of it to do this. We saw his arm looked awful in that game. They went after Josh Freeman. They didn't get him. Then they decided anyone else out there is not better than Thad Lewis. They're at two and three. And these are almost like give-up games to them. I know they're at home, and the Bengals aren't that great on offense, but, man, that's one of the best defenses in the league. It's hard to imagine them scoring any points. And I think, you know, going and speaking from a fantasy perspective, I have a feeling that, you know, I'm one of those players who who likes to chop and change on defense every week and just find a team that's playing against an awful offense. That the the whoever's playing the Bills, that defense is going to be pretty popular every week. While while Thad Lewis is still the starter, chop and change is that a common thing, or is that one of those phrases everyone uses be. in London? It may be just a British phrase, but I've if never you heard like that. it, if you like it, you can use it. I well, really like that's that. That's my gift to you. I, you invited <laughs> me here. I, I bring a gift. I prefer to say Bob's your uncle. I hope you bring right. more than just that. <laughs> uh, Rams Texans. You know we're sticking with Matt Schaub. We're sticking with Sam Bradford, of course. Gary Kubiak will have a short trigger for Matt Schaub in this game, according to our own Ian Rappaport. Not exactly a shock there. Do we think the Texans bounce back in this one? None of us picked the Rams to win this game. None of us picked the Bills, by the way, either. Just want to throw that out. Which, to me, says a lot about how bad the Rams are if we're not ready to pick against Matt Matt Schaub after his last three or four games. 
Who would you rather have, Henry, Sam Bradford or Matt Schaub starting this game? Uh, I think I'd probably would rather have Sam Bradford, but I mean it's a put. I, I don't know when you get a quarterback who, like I say, is is sort of uh, is is just on that bad run, and I don't believe I don't think he believes in himself at this point. Matt Schaub, he looks haunted on the sidelines. Like I, I just I, I don't think that I would go with with him at any for for anything at this point. I wanted to take. I thought about taking the Rams. And I, and I noticed on Football Outsiders, which I really like their team evaluations, the player-by-player player stuff is a little trickier, but their team takes in every play into account. I think it's about as good a measure as you're going to have, certainly better than power rankings. Sorry, Elliot Harrison. Uh, and they have the Texans as the 27th team in the NFL. So that, that says a lot after the last loss. But the Rams were number 30, and that sounds about right to me. This is a bad team. I think the Texans get healthy here at home. Vikings and Panthers. Interesting game here. Both teams need a win. Matt Castle will start, Leslie Frazier announced on Friday. The Vikings offense has been a little better than people think. The Vikings are averaging 28.8 points per game, and it's bizarre to see a team in the top five in NFL in scoring make a quarterback change, but we all agree it had to be done. And the Vikings are actually averaging more points per game than the Saints. And the crazy thing is they what? may be making they may be making two quarterback changes. They could. I mean that's the that's the thing that I'm looking forward to watching in this game is like they now they have Josh Freeman. There's a lot of buzz obviously once you when you pick up a player like that. If Matt Castle performs well in this game, what what happens? I think they have to stick with him until he doesn't perform well, I guess, right? So Christian Ponder's now out of the question. Persona non grata. Oh, Christian Ponder's gone because he was healthy enough to play right. this game. Right. He's number three as far as I'm concerned. I guess he has to be. What and a then- fall from grace. Well, I think. Yeah. Sad. I think you said it well yesterday. We were talking about this in the newsroom, and Greg said, well, Ponder's rib injury gave them an out. Yeah. Teams will take an out if you give it to them. They don't have to publicly back him anymore because they have Freeman. Castle played well, and Ponder had the rib injury. They've taken their out, and now I think you're going to see Ponder banished. He has been, and it it is a weird situation with Castle because he played well in London. I wouldn't say he played great, uh, but if they win, how can you? I think it's only a matter of time before Freeman is starting, right? right. But how can you take out Castle if you're two and zero with them? It's a very difficult spot. I don't think they'll take him out, and we we saw against Pittsburgh. This team has weapons. And without, with Ponder under center, you never saw those weapons because he wouldn't go more than 10 yards down the field. Castle didn't throw all that well, but he threw intermediate and deep passes, which Ponder just refused to throw. Right. Well, it's these fill-in starters this week, like Nick Foles and Thad Lewis and uh, Matt Castle. They're all playing great defenses. I mean, good luck playing Carolina's front seven. If Castle can survive that and the pass rush, I've watched a lot of Matt Castle over the years. His biggest you know, bugaboo is he can't handle pressure. Right. I mean, he has no pocket presence, and that's something you can't really teach. So do you think if Christian Ponder is, is number three there, and I agree with you guys that he is, before that trade deadline comes and goes, do you think that hmm. the Vikings are working the phone to, to see if they can offload him? Because, like, wh- I don't understand why you would want to keep him around um, at, when, he, when he may be worth something at this point to a team. I, I, I don't think the Texans is necessarily the right answer, but if Matt Schaub go, keeps going on this, on this bad run, is there someone who'd say, well, why wouldn't we give up a fourth or fifth round pick for, for Christian? My Ponder? sense is those conversations happen behind the scenes on a routine basis, right. and maybe they never go anywhere, but I think, yeah, they pick up the phone and say, hey, 
Do you guys have any interest in Christian Ponder? We see you have quarterback issues. Now, whether they can agree on any kind of compensation is a different issue. Yep. You also have to think about next year's team. You know, he's under contract for a few years. Matt Castle is under contract next year, but he's got a pretty big player option. I don't know if they're going to want to pick that up. Freeman's on a one-year deal, so they might just think, well, let's just keep him around and see what happens. That never works out well. No. No. Once it you... doesn't, and I don't see Christian Ponder as a troublemaker by any sense of uh, that word. But you know, when when a team has committed that in that way that they have to ponder f- over the last eighteen months and and have gone through a training camp where Christian Ponder's your starter, like and then the apology all, all contract sudden, makes he... an appearance, and that never, that's <laughs> never good. <laughs> We've seen that Donovan McNabb and Mark Sanchez apology yeah. contracts, and we have to mention in this game, you know, one of the saddest stories that have come along you know our newswire and i wrote it up this morning on adrian peterson and his son uh being in critical condition as we tape this um after being assaulted and adrian peterson did speak to the media on friday and he's going to play in the game and you know there's not much we can really say about that but we just had to note it and you know we we send all our thoughts out to peterson and the vikings and uh he will be on the field on sunday against the panthers uh, moving on to the Steelers and the Jets this week. Dan uh, chose the Jets. I don't think that was a hero pick because Sessler, I believe, you know, he just picked up sets all across the this board. This is a hero pick for Dan. It is a hero pick. So you need to pay closer attention before I step in the host chair. Does, do you think the Jets can survive if Antonio Cromartie doesn't play in this game? How big is that? I think that's very big. I think the Steelers' offense has, has started to click. They were awful in the first two games. They were averaging about 500 yards per game the last couple of games. Antonio Brown's playing well without Cromartie there to shadow Antonio Brown. I think that's a factor. Do we think the Steelers are totally done at 0-4? I mean, if you're ever going to come back, they have to win a game like this. No doubt. I mean, and, and I was encouraged in London from what I saw from Le'Veon Bell. I think he does add an extra aspect to their offense that was clearly missing for in, in the first three games of the season. You know, I hate to sound like a Patriots homer, but this, to me, is the Jets week where everyone is so excited about how well <laughs> Geno Smith, I mean, this has happened before, how well Geno Smith played. And I saw a story in New York this week, and these are quotes from the players. We're not looking past the Steelers. And I'm like... What? Well, no. Why would you? Yeah, no kidding. Oh, We're man. not looking past the Steelers. So they're already kind of looking at this team like huh. a winless team. And teams think that way. I heard Cutler say it after the game last night, too, that guys, you know, they knew this was a winless team and we had to make sure we were up for the game. And they can't look past anyone. That's preposterous. I couldn't wait to take the Steelers in this game. Dick LeBeau, <laughs> Dick LeBeau going against Geno Smith right. with a bye week to plan. And you're right. People get so, it's such a one week phenomenon in the NFL. People get so excited about what happened the previous week or so down on a guy because of what happened the previous week. Geno Smith isn't as good as he played against the Falcons. He deserves credit, but that doesn't mean he's going to come out and be lights out against the Steelers. He's going to be a roller coaster because the talent around him is terrible. Overall, it's a very poor offense, and you're counting on the scheme to win. You're counting on Geno to be the best guy, and I think the Steelers' defense has the talent to play well. I like them to win as well. Moving on to the Jaguars and the Broncos. What can we really say about this game 
that hasn't been said so far. Well, okay, I've got, I've got a theory. I should have known you knew, you had something. I do have a theory, and I'm going to use a word that I am a regular listener to the ATL podcast. I'm going to I'm going to use a word that you favor. I don't think it's preposterous to think that um, that uh, the the Broncos should at least consider. I know it's not going to happen, and I know he would never sign off on it. But I think that. They're going to they're gonna have such a great season that week 14, 15, 16, 17, maybe not that long, but certainly a couple of those last weeks, it's going to make sense for Peyton Manning to sit down and, and for them to rest in before the playoffs. And typically in the past, when he was with the Colts and was having great seasons and was getting in similar situations, that's resulted in him returning probably after a bye week in, 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 over wildcard weekend and not looking too hot when he, hits, when he gets to play in the playoffs and, and making some mistakes. How about if with a 36-year-old quarterback or 37-year-old quarterback with, with the, the neck problems that he's had, why wouldn't you give him this game off? So you treat this like a preseason game. I'm saying start Brock Osweiler and let, <laughs> let's see what happens. But you just said that he doesn't play well after these weeks off. So you're saying give him the week off now? Give him this week. Give him one, you know, As what practice? We're talking about is, no, I'm talking about just resting him. Like, you know, this is a guy who, uh, at his age, maybe he, he, he can get hot again in week eight <laughs> where he might not do in week in, in, on divisional playoff week. This is what you've done to us, Jaguars. You've made us talk about ridiculous things in week six that people could rest their starters. And it makes sense in some way. It's not, I don't think it's crazy. I mean, he'd never, it's never going to happen, but I don't think it would be insane. Other than the fact that nobody in the world knows what a catch is in the NFL because the rules are so lame, <laughs> there's nothing that really gets me fired up as much as a team purposely giving up on a game, which the which is the Colts' legacy. This is a Bill Pullian thing where he decided we're going to treat the last few games of the season like they don't mean anything because we already have it wrapped up, and it really ticks me off. Play the game, compete. This is a this is a sport. Play the game, compete. Put your best team out there. That's what I think. And if you're up by 24 points in the second quarter, then you can put in Brock Eisweller. How about that? Sure. Earn, you have to earn there it. You go. Well, he gets his rest then. I could see that happening. I mean, I wouldn't say the second quarter, but let's say it was 38-6 to six in the midway through the third quarter. Maybe see a little Osweiler. Yeah. I'd, li- I'd like to see a little. We, we could use more Osweiler what's, in our lives. What's the over-under on quarters Brock Osweiler plays this week? I would go half of one in reality, yeah. He played, I think, almost one and a half quarters. Oh, no, that was uh, Tavares Jackson played almost one and a half quarters against the Jags earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. I, think there's room, I think there's room for him to play a quarter and a half. I offered... If I, any- and, and also room for Peyton Manning to pad his stats pretty nicely for, you know, for touchdowns, yards, etc. This is the one game I think fantasy owners can throw Ronnie Hillman into the lineup. You know, you could wow. just put them all in because if they're if they're just Monty if, Ball, if they're up by twenty five points, I don't think they're gonna throw the ball like crazy in this game of all games. You just gave me an idea. I'm gonna pick up Monty Ball and start him this week. There you go. <laughs> by the way, this is Jack Del Rio's revenge gets the Jaguars <laughs> back. Uh, let's move on to the Titans and Seahawks, the second most lopsided game. Uh, you know, on paper this week, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Going up to Seattle, let's flip it around to the other side, though. Do we think uh, Russell Wilson and this Seahawks offense can really move the ball against Tennessee? I'm worried about their offensive line. Russell Wilson, he rushed at least nine or ten times last week because the Colts got heat on him, and he played well. He's rushing out of his mind right now, but 
That's a good question. Tennessee has dominated the line of scrimmage in most of their games on defense. Darrell Casey really is looking like a pro bowler. This is a tough defense to play against. I noticed early in that Seahawks game how they broke out the read option from minute one, and he was running on third and long right away. And it was I haven't seen that before from him. It's always been I'll run at last resort. I'll run in the fourth quarter like against the Bears last year or this year against the Texans when I absolutely have to. But now a couple times I've seen it where he runs where maybe he doesn't even have to, and I think that's because he doesn't trust the offensive line and they haven't been able to throw the ball. And I think there's a little bit of a danger of them relying on that too much. They What's interesting about their offense is their, their wide receivers are, are pretty good. Jermaine Curse has made some great plays. Harvin's going to come back. Their running backs are good. But we're seeing that they don't move the ball well with a bad offensive line. Is this going to be a season-long issue? I think Okung is on short-term IR. Max Unger came back last week or will come back this week. So I guess they can kind of patch things together. But this is seems like a problem. Watch, yeah, I'm watching that Colts game. I was sort of dipping in and out of it. It seemed like it was it, they'd be in third and long, and then suddenly Russell Wilson would be running and getting them another first down. And, and, and that's great, but you can only do that for so long. You don't want to put yourself in those positions, especially against a Titans defense, which is, which is not, you know, not – not bad at all. Now, to take the other side of the point I just made, he's the best running quarterback in the NFL, I think. Is there anyone better than Russell Wilson? No, I think he's, he has, He and Andrew Luck both have like great instincts on when to leave the pocket, mm-hmm. and they so both good. run with a purpose. Right. Wilson's a little bit more elusive. I made a comment the other day on Twitter that every great quote ever about trying to hit a knuckleball, like trying to eat soup with a fork, <laughs> try, trying to catch a fly with chopsticks, it's the same thing with trying to tackle, tackle Russell, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, yeah. I, it, he's fantastic, and they don't win that game in Houston unless he ran the ball. I mean, that was the key factor in that game in terms of them finally moving the ball. It's it's just a weird setup because some of these young quarterbacks are under coaches that are fundamentally conservative. Pete Carroll wants to punt on fourth and one on the opposing forty-seven yard line. That's Pete. That's what Pete Carroll does. He wants to run the ball all the time. And so it, we think of the the Seahawks as Russell Wilson's team, but he plays for a coach that kind of sees football in a different way. Uh, don't you think that's because of the personnel he has? Yeah. Ar- arguably the best defense in the NFL, and he's a run-heavy offense. Their defense could be so scary because, you know, we were talking about this downstairs. Chris Clemens is playing well. Cliff Averill's playing well. Michael Bennett's been a nice pickup for them. They haven't really even had Bruce Irvin come into the mix fully yet. They got a lot of. I don't know how many teams have that many pass rushers. Yeah, they're stocked with talent on defense. So we think the Seahawks will win that game. We all picked them. We also all picked the San Francisco 49ers to beat Arizona. Look, these te- teams have the same record here, three and two. But I don't know if we trust Carson Palmer going against that 49ers defense. I think Carson Palmer continues to get a pass from analysts around the league, and I have no idea why. He's been awful for three or four years now. Hasn't played well. There's no big plays in the passing game. And I, When I was doing my wide receiver rankings this week, I've noticed that Larry Fitzgerald hasn't made any big plays. And maybe it's because of the hamstring injury. I kind of want to see what he does the next few weeks. If, if, if it was the hamstring, he should be getting back to, to a pre-injury form now. Maybe we'll see some plays 30, 40 yards finally. I mean, I think this is a team that is relying on their quarterback to overcome the offensive line, and they're not that sort of team. Carson Palmer 
makes rookie mistakes. He does things like throwing to his predetermined reads. You know, if it's his first read, he'll just throw the ball. I mean, they confused him a couple times last week. He seems a little slow. I think the reason he gets a pass, and I've you know been guilty of this, is because he'll make a lot of pretty throws, and you'll say, wow, you know, that's pretty impressive. I mean, he'll make three or four really good throws every game that impress you, but... I don't know if he's really developed that much as a quarterback, you know, the mental side of things. And d- does he want to? I mean, you know, if you if you hey well, when a guy has retired, right? When a guy's actually <laughs> quit the sport and then has come back again, you just sort of wonder whether his heart is in it fully anyway. I totally empathize with his retiring as somebody who also quit the Bengals. <laughs> I can I can see why he did it. <laughs> Sunday night football this week, Redskins and Cowboys. Look, if the Redskins win this game, they could be in first place in the division at 2-3. and three. If the Eagles lose and the Redskins win this game, technically, percentage-wise, the Redskins would be in first place. That's how bad the NFC East is right now. What is your who, who do you like in this game, Henry? Well, it's interesting. I think the last time you guys invited me on here was to do the NFC East preview in the preseason, uh, and we all talked about what a you know what a horrible division that was, and how it gets way too much attention and and primetime games. And here we are talking about a Sunday night game between the the uh, Redskins and Cowboys. So we should all celebrate that. <laughs> you I, got I, that one right, though. We, that they would be terrible. Well, They're uh, even exactly, worse than we expected. Exactly. And I believe everyone in the room picked the Cowboys to win the division, except for you, who picked the Eagles. And where are the Eagles in the division right now? Well, they're right there. They're uh, <laughs> well, everyone's tied right for there. They're everyone's tied right for there, first. They're tied for first. Uh, I think Dan also had the Redskins, but he might not have been in the room that day. Right, so that's true. You were right, exactly. But so I like the Cowboys in this game. I think I think they um, bounced back from what was a disappointing loss, but uh, you know, a game that they they played well in against uh, Denver. I, I, even with the bye week and even with maybe another week to get RG three healthy, I, I think the Cowboys will probably have this one. When, what what when, bothers you about the Cowboys? When we talked about this division, uh, we pointed out that every team in the division has a bad defense. And the Redskins got a lot of attention for the first two games of the year. They gave up the most yards in NFL Mm -hmm. history. I believe I saw the Cowboys have given up the exact same number of yards over the last two games as the Redskins did in the first two games. Really? You know where you saw that? Pretty mind-blowing stat. You? My Twitter account. <laughs> and I did the math, too. I was adding it up on the calculator, and they were both 1,023 yards. What are the odds? That was a nice find by you. <laughs> are you worried about the uh, the Cowboys offensive line, Chris Wesseling? No, I saw – you can see this on film, especially the center, Travis Fet- Frederick, who they were criticized for trading up, is run blocking very well. And then in Pro Football Focus's rankings, the Cowboys have the third best offensive line in the NFL – this was supposed to be a weakness for them. Their problem isn't on offense right now. It's that the fact that they can't defend the pass on defense. We were split on this game. Uh, actually, Dan took the Redskins, and the rest of us took the Cowboys, so we weren't too split. I think the Redskins' defense is the worst unit in this game until proven otherwise. I mean, their only passable game was in Oakland against Matt Flynn. So Dallas at home, I think they win in a romp. How about that? Monday night, Chargers, Colts, we'll wrap it up with this one. Interesting Monday night game. Andrew Luck going on the road. Two of the better quarterbacks in the league. Two of my top five or six quarterbacks in the league on our uh, weekly quarterback index. I took the Chargers. Mark Sessler took the Chargers. The Colts have been playing great, and it's not just because of Andrew Luck and the offense. No, I thought this was going to be – this was a very tough game for me to pick. 
I like both of their offenses right now. The difference for me is that the Colts have a defensive player of the year candidate in Robert Mathis, who has almost 10 sacks already. And then if you juxtapose, juxtapose that against the Chargers, his former teammate, Dwight Freeney, is out for the year. The Chargers can't rush the passer right now. To me, that's a difference in the game. Is that the Wesseling word of the day? Juxtapose, if I could say it correctly. I want even it more. Been. It would have been. I want a little more out of my Wesseling word of the day. <laughs> no right. one breaks out crazy words like Wesseling in print. Um, I, this ga- I'm, I'm interested in this game because you always look at the charges. I, I mean, I don't know, but you guys probably, I would imagine that they were, whether it was their hero pick for the Raiders last week or did you? Uh, did Patrick you s- got the Raiders right. Yeah, right. he was the only one. Well, there you go. So I think everyone expected the charges to win last week. I think most people aren't expecting the charges to, to beat the Colts. And this is exactly the kind of game that they win. So it's uh, I can see why you would have picked them. I, I'm I'm favoring the Colts in this one because I I, I really like what Andrew Luck's doing. You know how is, Henry got to the written. top of the pick watch standings by playing it safe. It's no fun. Well, it, it's what gets you wins, and that's that's what counts in this <laughs> league. You're right. That really was kind of my reasoning for the Chargers that you can never that this is the type of game they win when you when you don't expect it, and I. I guess I don't fully trust the Colts' defense yet. They've been so good week after week, and I'm just waiting. You just don't know how they're doing it. I don't know how they're doing it. Smoking (laughs) mirrors. Well, who's the best opposing quarterback they've played? You know, they played Wilson. That offense is a little limited. That's that's probably the answer. They've played Kaepernick. They played Ryan Tannehill. And they didn't do great against him. They didn't dominate that game by any means. I, I like the Chargers. They're not going to be with Ryan Matthews this week. I don't understand why their defense is so bad, and that was my worry with this game is that Indianapolis could just put up 40 points. I could easily see that happening. San Diego's defense has been a huge disappointment this year. But Phillip Rivers is great. I'm kind of riding uh, the Phillip Rivers train this season, I've decided. He's just kind of become one of my teams. I'm the conductor of the hype train. Crystal, I think uh, that's it. Did we do okay without Dan and Mark? We survive? Greg, you did an awesome job as host today. I'm proud, and I hope that Dan doesn't feel threatened. <laughs> that found that sounded very condescending. Like, Not like condescending you didn't re- at all. Oh, okay, I'm just giving good. you a very good compliment. You did great. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, we will be back on Sunday night to recap all the games. 4K Rich behind the glass. Henry Hodgson, Chris Wesseling, Daniel Jeremiah, Mark Sessler, And Dan Hansis, even though he wasn't here, I'm Greg Rosenthal. See you later. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.